All right, everybody, welcome back. This is Chris from the Full 40 with Chris and Rob. We are joined by Emma Houghton and Patrick Zeng on a joint podcast episode. So if you're listening to State of the Nova Nation podcast, you might be wondering who the hell is this talking? And we'll get into that in a second. But if you're listening on the Full 40, you might be wondering about Emma and Pat. So I am going to pass it to Emma and Pat to introduce what State of the Nova Nation pod is all about and also to introduce themselves. So go ahead, guys. Awesome. Yeah, definitely. So, so I can start a little bit about who we are and then Pat can maybe talk about the content side of things. But Pat and I went to Villanova. We graduated in 2020. So we were talking about before we started recording here. Definitely an interesting year for everybody, especially the year to graduate in. But Pat and I met doing radio at Villanova, WXVU. We both hosted our own separate talk shows on the radio, and then we called Villanova basketball games together, men's and women's. So that's where we really got into our recording groove. We started recording our own general sports podcast uh, back in 2020, did that for a year, and then we took over the State of the Nova Nation podcast from the legendary Chris and Eugene back in October. So we've been just getting into the groove of this. It's obviously an awesome season to pick this up and we're so excited to be here with you guys. It's obviously been in the works for a couple of weeks now, but such a great idea from, from Chris and Rob, and we're excited to get into it. Absolutely. So excited to, to finally get to do this crossover episode. So as Emma was saying, State of the Nova Nation from VU Hoops. I mean, w- of course, we bring you all the Villanova content. We're definitely really driven by numbers, which is something that's always followed us, whether when we're recording at w- WXVU to where we are now. It's something we've always looked at, you know, bringing you coverage, game recaps and, and things of that nature. And honestly, we have a ton of fun doing it. We're covering Villanova, our alma mater and all the basketball there. So it's been great. But Chris and Rob, the full 40, tell our listeners about you guys. All right. So I'm Chris. I'm 2009 grad. So is, so is my partner in crime, Rob. Um, so definitely an age gap here, um, which is interesting. Uh, um, but the, uh, but no less passionate uh, about Villanova hoops. Um, we graduated in a final four year. So a different type of interesting <laughs> from, from you guys. Uh, but, but, uh, but that being said, uh, our, our stick on the full 40, is uh, is like there is numbers, there's analysis of games, but we're not X's and O's guys. We are the fans' take on Villanova basketball. Our whole thing is few people, friends having a drink after the game, talking about Villanova hoops. And one of the one of the big features of our podcast is the ice clinking um, when, when we record. So you, I will say, I think Chris is overplaying our hand on saying there are some numbers. I mean, a number gets mentioned. I, we are not bringing you in-depth stats and analysis. We are number nine to be very clear. (laughs) Let's, let's set the expectations here with what you're going to get. So definitely don't make any bets on the predictions that are to come. Yeah, we've had a fair share of bad predictions this year. too. Yeah. So what are we predicting? So let's get into, let's get into that a little bit. Um, so we have the state of the Nova nation podcast versus the full 40 podcast challenge. And what this is, is we are doing a big East conference schedule pick them every single game of the big East schedule. We have made our picks now. That doesn't mean on future podcasts, we might not, we might say, Hey, I wish I didn't make this pick, but we can't go back and change it. What happens now is locked in what you hear on this podcast. We're not changing it for purposes of this contest. And we haven't decided what the prize will be, who the winner will be, maybe bragging rights, maybe something more. Maybe one will owe the other a drink. Who knows? Or maybe uh, maybe a trip to Reading Terminal Market, Emma. Uh, yes. <laughs> I love that. Um, I don't know about Taylor Swift tickets, though. Those are too expensive. That might be tough. That might be expensive. Yeah. yeah. So maybe um, a Big East tournament meetup. Figure something I'm, else I'm definitely there? down for a Big East tournament meetup. Um, <laughs> So everyone was challenged to pick a winner for every regular season game. And as a tiebreaker, pick the winner of the Big East tournament. Uh, Correctly picking home wins counted as one point. Correctly picking away losses 
only counted as one point. You got two points for picking a home loss and you got two points for picking an away win. So a little bit of a wrinkle added to it because to, to challenge people to maybe they play a strategy play to pick an away win or a home loss where you might not necessarily see one, but you could see it happening just to push people a little bit um, and to try and produce a little bit of an interesting result. Um, and then you correctly pick the Big East tournament winner, you get three points. So that could change the game at the 11th hour to decide the winner. So um, the tiebreakers are, just to announce it, first is the closest to the pin on overall record um, in the Big East regular season. And the second is the closest to the pin on the away record during the Big East regular season. So those are all of the rules. So now here's how it's going to go. We're probably going to speed through the games where we mm. have mutual agreement um, and instead go directly into the disagreements that we have. And it's fun because there are a couple of games where there is one person only on the disagreeing side. Yes. And those people are going to have to get challenged by the other three. So Emma and Pat, did I miss anything? No, I, I think you hit everything. We're really excited to get into this. It's such a fun idea and we're, we're pumped to go through it. Yeah. And we hope people can get involved. We'll hopefully give out a sheet where it's going to be blank. You give us our, your picks and, uh, I mean, in a couple months from now, we're going to have this all set up. So it'll be fun to track as the season goes on. And to see how wrong I end up being. It's going to be great. Yep. So <laughs> love it. All right. So we haven't heard as much from Rob Dormish yet. I was going to say, I feel like I'm on the, I'm getting ready to get on the hot seat right now. <laughs> but he's on the hot seat because we're looking at the Friday night game versus Creighton away at Centrally, at Century Link Center in Omaha, Nebraska. And an opportunity for definitely an opportunity to lose that game. No doubt about it. Creighton's had a good start to the season, but only Rob picked Creighton to win. Rob, defend yourself. All right. As I alluded to earlier, I'm going to give you the no numbers defense of why Villanova is going to lose this game. This to me is really a feel game and it's a momentum game and it's got a couple other things happening as well too. Obviously, Nova's coming off a terrible, terrible loss. Not only that, we're coming off a string of games where we just didn't pick up the big win. So I'm thinking a little bit that the Villanova psyche is a little bit in the dumps, and there's a big opportunity for Creighton to take advantage of that, especially given that it's at CenturyLink, which we know is a tough place to play. And Creighton has a really experienced, terrific coach in Greg McDermott. He's absolutely going to have that team ready to play. And I have to imagine there's not going to be a heck of a lot else going on in Omaha on a cold December night. So I have to imagine CenturyLink is going to be rocking to make sure that Villanova gets a hard time. In all reality, though, I do think this is like we know this is a tough place to play. Greg McDermott gets his guys up. And I kind of love the story. The leading score on Creighton right now, uh, guys, Ryan Dawkins, I want to say, D2 transfer, three-time national champion. He knows how to get it done. Um, and I do think this is just an opportunity for Villanova to trip it up a little bit, um, given that they're going to be playing in a tough place. So, look, I just think this comes down to bad momentum, bad juju for Nova, and I think we pick up another loss, unfortunately. Emma and I talked about this beforehand, Rob. I I love that you picked them to lose this game because trying to picture what Villanova Twitter will look like after the Baylor game, if they drop Ooh. the first game of the Big East like that, oh boy, that Friday night could be interesting. I, I do think Villanova rides it out just with such a brutal performance on Sunday. I think Jay is going to whip them in practice this week, and I expect to see a bounce back. To your point, Omaha is brutal. Luckily, I don't think it's one of their dollar beer nights because otherwise that could be real scary on a Friday night in Omaha with that crowd. Uh, I think Villanova's got enough to get it done. I know Kalkbrenner's a seven-footer, which is really scary for, for what Creighton can do, of, of course, trying to exploit Nova, but I, I see a bounce back performance. Yeah, and you talked a lot about bad momentum for Nova. Creighton's also coming off a, a top 25 win. They beat BYU last week, so they've got good momentum. I also go Nova here, but I like the idea of some some havoc because of Big Durbin especially. I, I mean, will... let's be clear. I don't like the idea of it, but I had to make the pick. Yeah. 
I will you gotta say, differentiate yourself gotta, in some way. I gotta stand out. Gotta yeah. stand out. That's true. That's true. And but this is an interesting game because Rob could gain a quick Rob can quickly get ahead of the competition here. Definitely. Because he gets two points for uh no, sorry, he gets one point for an away loss. So, but he misses at one of our all of our opportunities to gain two points with the mm-hmm. away win. So now that being said, if we pick up the win. We're up two. We're all tied for first, and Rob is already two points back. So, little tight situation there. That being said, we all agreed on the following game, and we all think that Xavier's coming for the annual Villanova ass kicking, as Chris Mack used to say. <laughs> um, and so, maybe just bad timing for Creighton coming in right before the holiday, mm. off of a tough week for Villanova, win or lose in Omaha and has to play at the pavilion um, in a very challenging um, environment that it will be there. So we all agreed there. So I don't think any, I don't think we need to discuss it any further, Um, but we get to our first game where there's an even split. And did I say Creighton? Rachel's pinging me saying that I said Creighton. They do it again. <laughs> I, I didn't did even it. notice. The I said, I meant Xavier. <laughs> regardless, exactly. regardless. All right. So we get to our New Year's Day game, and we have a disagreement that are that is me and Emma are on one side, and Rob and Pat are on the other. And so we're playing at Seton Hall in the Prudential Center, January 1st, New Year's Day game. Gotta love it. It's going to be electric in the Prudential Center. Rob and Pat think Villanova gets the win here. I'm going to let Emma and I defend ourselves picking Seton Hall in this game. I like that. I think you guys are dead wrong. I think Ooh. this one is, is going to be a, a serious Seton Hall win. I think you could argue, actually, that serious Seton Hall is the most surprising team in the country, the way they came out. I think they were ranked fifth in the preseason for Big East. They've had wins over Michigan. They had a win over Texas recently. They're, they were ranked seventh overall. I think it's the unquantifiable things that make Seton Hall really good. It's funny, Pat and I just talked about how numbers-focused we are, but this one, I don't have that many numbers. I think you're, you're coming Hall, over the dark side. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, they're you already. <laughs> You've already swayed me. Yeah. Seton Hall just has it. Kevin Willard just has it. He scares the hell out of me. I don't want any part of him. And I think especially at home, Seton Hall is going to be riding that momentum and they're going to make things really hard for Nova. I love it. I love it. We got another Kevin Willard stand I, here. I was going to say, <laughs> hey, you say anything positive about Kevin Willard. And I am a absolutely huge afraid. Kevin Willard stand. Um, oh, my gosh. Ridiculous. But, look, the thing I like about the Seton Hall team, and I've watched them a handful of games already, they're so complete, mm-hmm. and they play hard. They play as hard as I remember any Seton Hall teams playing, and they've been playing hard for Kevin Willard, but they seem to have a different um, – team-based enthusiasm it's not all centered around one guy but they do have guys who have the cojones to put the team on their back I I really like this Seton Hall team and what they bring I think this is Kevin Willard I'm going to say it now I think it's Kevin Willard's best shot so far in his career to make a sweet 16 run I really like how balanced Seton Hall is Um, and they could go deeper than that now the Michigan game, in retrospect, doesn't look as big as it did when they did it. Um, the Texas, I think that the the jury's still out on Texas, but I do think with Chris Beard, I think that win will pick up steam as they go through as Texas goes through their Big Twelve uh, their Big Twelve schedule. That being said, I really like Seton Hall because I just have that they have that it factor, as Emma said, and I really think that they bring it. And it's at the Rock, and there's still a little bit of a redemption factor because we ruined miles powell senior night on like one of the last games that we played before COVID hit and we were at that game rob and i cannot believe that we didn't catch COVID there so um, (laughs) that game was very absolutely packed with people screaming at the top of their lungs in march of 2020 so so that was uh that's wild so that's why i have a halt within that game on new year's day so real quick you agree with chris beard when he said he thinks seton hall is one of the few teams in the country that can win it all I don't know if I agree Ooh, that's that. Okay. That's I, I, I do not. I, Ooh, I couldn't believe he said that. Ooh, I couldn't believe he said it. I think he said one of 12 teams in the country. That's, that's a little bit of coach speak defending so. 
defending a team that just beat you. So mm-hmm. I think that that is a little coach speak there. I don't know if Seton Hall has that top level player, that individual guy mm-hmm. who can like put a team on their back. They do have a couple guys with an it factor, but I just don't think they have that, that one guy. Like you had Miles Powell to this team, for example, and it's like totally different ball game. But I think this could be a sweet 16 elite eight game a team, but I don't think this is a third weekend team. You just teed Pat up perfectly. Now I've he's going to oh, crush you. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. No, I, I think you're completely Listen, there are a couple factors that go into this. First, I had to pick Villanova because, as you said, it's a New Year's Day game, and I'm not ready to ruin 2022 uh, with a, a Villanova loss on the first day. So I had Whole to go year there first. <laughs> all, all done from there. Uh, I think it's important to look at, too, they have to play at Providence on the 29th. Well, Villanova is going to be coming off a home game against Temple. So, uh, obviously, a much more intense game a couple days before that. I do think that factors in. And then when I look at Seton Hall, I'm so impressed with what they've done. I really, really had them low this year for the Big East. I didn't think they were going to have enough. Defensively, they're phenomenal. Offensively, Jared Roden has been the guy that's taken the step for them. He's their go-to scorer. But do they have enough around it to, to supplement and make up for it? I think Brandon Slater hopefully draws the assignment of Roden through that game. I'm not sure they're able to find scoring elsewhere, and I think Villanova is able to overpower them and come away with the win. Yeah. I like it. Obviously, I voted Nova as well, too. This, to me, as I talked about momentum coming into the Creighton one, I think this is momentum starting to swing back up for Nova. And as much as Hall gets up for Nova, Nova absolutely gets up for Hall. Jay is going to have these guys pumped up, ready. We've got a senior-laden team. They've played at the Prudential Center. They know what to expect. And I don't think this team is going to scare them, especially having played guys like Miles Powell in the past, too. So I think Nova goes in there, takes care of business, shows them what it takes to win the Big East. I like it. I like it. I mean, I hope that happens. I just <laughs> don't know if it's going to. Yeah. All right. Two agreements uh, back to back after this. January 5th at home versus Creighton. We all seem to agree there um, that Villanova win. Also, one thing I'm going to point out, a little narrative about our Big East schedule this year. I don't know if you guys noticed while you were going through it. It seems like we play both games against a, the same opponent back like very tight to one another yes like like Creighton is a couple games then then Xavier we play twice in a row we play like St. John's tight to each other like it's Providence and UConn Providence towards the end yeah Yeah. it's it's weird it's a super weird schedule that we play these teams like so close to one another like if we have to fake face Creighton in the Big East tournament it's going to be a totally different team than we did than we played in January like throw the game film out um so so we have or home versus Creighton. Now, one thing that I do want to just point out is that all four of us picked an away win at DePaul. Is it's, DePaul it's legit? DePaul. Is DePaul legit? Because there's a like if DePaul is legit, then that is an op that is a that is a game for all of us to potentially gain two points. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I, the, to me is like that that game I I sort of thought about for a second. Oh my god! If you had picked a Paul, I would have I did not. shrieked. I, did I would not. have shrieked. I did. Not. I'm gonna regret it. I I've been so high on DePaul, so high on DePaul, and Pat and I joke about it all the time. We do, but I, I'm actually serious about some play. Javon Liberty Freeman is or Freeman Liberty is so legit, and they've got enough of a supporting cast around them now where. It's not a joke, and it is Liberty Freeman. I'm sorry. 20 points, eight rebounds, four assists, two steals. That's pretty complete. Is Liberty Freeman a it's a great little, name. little redundant? I would say so. It's a, it's I mean, a great name for the 4th of July. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so They also kept it close against Loyola Chicago, and they beat Rutgers, which I think are two relatively quality ones. And they just beat Louisville. I love yeah. that. Sorry, Chris Mack. Yeah, uh, he messed with Happy. He he, he really did. I'm still not taking DePaul fully seriously as fun as it is to see them at eight and one. They do have some players. They can score a little bit better, but if this is Villanova team and this is a Villanova team that is still towards the top in most efficiency numbers, they have to beat DePaul. And that's how I look at it. Yeah. All right. It's DePaul. Don't overthink it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I I mean, I didn't, (laughs) we all put Villanova in. Um, All right. So next up is away at Xavier on January 12th. Emma, you have to defend yourself here. The three of us picked ranked Xavier at the Cinta Center to win the game. I don't want to get to too much more than that. Emma, you picked Villanova to storm into Cincinnati and pick up a big win where Ohio State 
and Cincinnati couldn't. Tell us why. Yeah, I think I think Villanova is going to sweep Xavier this year, and I don't think Xavier's overrated. I think they've got a really good squad, and they got much better when Zach Fremantle came back, and he's been healthy since literally December first when he started getting those minutes back. I believe it was a foot injury. As well balanced and from a points and minutes standpoint as Xavier is, and I'm going to steal some of your fire just so I can defend it myself. They have nine players who average more than 15 minutes and six players who average more than eight minutes. So when you talk about the differences between Villanova and Xavier, that's pretty stark there. Villanova can shoot better than them. I think Villanova plays defense better than them. They might have the size disadvantage, but Dixon and Slater and Samuels have proved at multiple times throughout the season that that might not matter if they bring the defensive intensity. So I think it's going to be a tough road atmosphere, but I do think Villanova is the better team. I like it. Again, I, do like I hope it happens. I hope it happens. I just don't think it will. Cintas yeah. Center is a tough place to play. Mm-hmm. I was lucky enough to go there for a game. It was a couple of years ago, I guess, something like that. That's another place. They get excited, and there's something There's something about the Cintas Center that we seem to struggle with. A bit. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. especially given Xavier's team this year, they've got the experience. They basically brought back the whole team, and they've – They've, they're off to a good start this season. So I expect them to carry forward. I do think the home court advantage absolutely plays in this one. So it's Xavier for me. All right. Yeah. I like it. I'm, Rob speaks for me on that one. Say the same thing. Cintas is brutal. Uh, and I think that plays a huge part of it. I'm all on the Colby Jones train for Xavier that I think he's developed into a stud. I think it's a really tough one for Villanova to try to go in and win that game. All right. So then an interesting piece of the schedule. 16th at home versus Butler, 19th at home versus Marquette, 22nd away versus Georgetown, and 25th home versus DePaul. All four of us have Villanova winning all four of those games. Easy. We're going to speed through that. So I do think that is the, not the lightest part of our schedule, but maybe you could argue just because of the mix of how who's home and who's away during those games. So then we get into the end of January. 29th at home versus St. John's. And I have St. John's winning that. So that, like that's, on, that's on you, Chris. That's, that's on, on me. You take it. That's on me. Here's what I did here. I kind of looked at last year versus St. John's. And I said, the first game that we played them, we were fucking lost. Sorry, oh, disaster. But, yeah, just lost in that game. The second game that we played them, Jay figured it out, team figured it out, and we whooped butt. So, so whooped butt. We whooped, we whooped their butt. So, <laughs> so that's that's what I'm saying here. I think I think St. John's in the first game that we played them, even though it's at home, I think we have we come off of four wins. We're starting to feel ourselves again, and whatever they come out, they're playing everything. Posh Alexander's everywhere. Champagne is hot from deep, and they get into our grill like Baylor did. And we start to cough the ball up a little bit. We start to make some mistakes. They get hot. They feel they feel themselves. I have St. John's beating us at home. I won't lie and say that I did look for an opportunity to pick up mm-hmm. a random home loss in this to try and win the points battle here. But I did have Villanova losing to St. John's in one of the games. Um, and I decided to pick the home game for that reason. I went back and forth on this one. I, I, you almost had me to, to go with St. John's St. John's is such a rough matchup for Villanova. If we, we play in that way, because as we know, watching Nova obviously plays very slow. St. John's is all about getting in your face. They're fifth in the country in tempo. They push the ball so much. Nova hates that. That is obviously not the game they want to play. So I think the Johnnies can cause some trouble, obviously with Champagne and Alexander, as you said, just the home portion of it is why there, at least I, I led to Nova. Yeah, Chris, I, I feel the same way. I said mm-hmm. all those points you said, except for the away game. Yep. So I, I I think St. John's is going to get, at, at, well, not at least, I think they're going to get one win over Nova. And I think it's going to come when they're at home. They average 10 steals a game. I think you could argue that Villanova's experiencing a little bit of a turnover problem. If they face St. John's earlier, I would actually feel even more confident giving them the loss. But I think this one's a win at home. They'll do enough. Gillespie can stay 
composed enough, but then on the road, it's going to be a repeat of what we saw last year where they just breathe down your neck every single possession. And as Nova showed against Baylor, Gillespie's going to get frustrated. Jay's going to get frustrated and it, it starts to crumble a little bit. All right. Rob is, Rob is laughing because Rob knows that I just have a soft spot. I have a soft spot for Kevin Willard. Yeah, I was I have a soft say, spot for St. John's. So very athletic team as Chris likes to say. <laughs> that was a different era. It was. Uh, it was. That was a different very era. Very big on their athleticism back then. <laughs> um, oh, I like think they're a tournament team. Them. They never lost, but I think they're a tournament team. And their non-conference schedule does not go as well as I thought, but I think the Johnnies are gonna get a bit. I, do. I, I just think they play up and down to their competition. They do. Oh, 100%. Except for the top, like Kansas, I whooped them, but like, yeah. you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't think, I think they play up and down. So their numbers don't look good. Their analytics don't mm-hmm. look good because they don't, they don't stomp teams out that they're not excited to play. <laughs> and they like, like let Monmouth hang around forever. Not that Monmouth's that bad of a team. Monmouth's a good mid-major, but like they let Monmouth hang around that whole entire game when they just could have ratcheted up the effort. They're better than that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The next game, we also have a disagreement. Groundhog's Day. Rob, Rob picks Marquette in Look, Wisconsin. It's a common theme. It's a common narrative for me. You're going to hear basically the same thing again. It's a tough environment to play. Marquette has shown they can play against some good competition this year. Yes, they beat Illinois. Yes, that win is lost. Some of it's lost her. Absolutely. And no, they did not show up against UCLA. But then again, we didn't show up against Baylor, so you can't fault them all that much. They've got a new coach there with Shaka Smart. I think these guys are going to be pretty jacked up for Nova to come in here. And I think just given the environment, and especially, again, I'm thinking about, I tried to think about this in kind of waves of the season. We come off four nice wins. It's kind of almost like time for a loss, if you will. So I'm thinking about it in those terms as well. So that gets the loss for me. So I picked Nova, but this was the hardest decision for me of all the games. I I really do. I think Marquette is definitely, without a doubt, the dark horse at this conference because Seton Hall has already proved itself to be pretty legit. They're crazy high tempo, crazy good defense, the home crowd. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Shaka Smart upsets Nova. Not at all. I wouldn't be surprised in in Wisconsin. Like, like that's that's definitely a game that's losable. I ultimately came down to, for me, we, for me, in my mind, I'm coming off of St. John's loss. So I'm done. So, so I'm coming off of the guys are hot coming into the Marquette game, but mm, that's, that's gonna, true. Yeah. That's a, that's a good perspective. Actually. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a tough environment. I totally get your point there. Um, but I just question if Marquette is actually that good. And I, like, I realize that that is a tough argument to make with the win that they have over Illinois, but Illinois didn't have Coburn. Nope. In that game. Yeah. So I, I am, I'm like, uh, you know, are they that good? I don't know. Like I think Wisconsin beat up on them pretty good and Wisconsin plays slow tempo um, like we do. So I feel like tempo wise approach wise, we can, we, we know we're going to watch that Wisconsin game film and we're going to figure them out. But I'm with you play this back when, when I get it wrong, but I'm not afraid of Marquette at all. They're, they're going to hit you with defense with, with what smart puts out there. They cannot score They're They're not a good offensive team. They're going to struggle there. I think Villanova causes enough havoc defensively with turnovers that they're going to just outscore them. So Villanova is going to sweep Marquette. Put that one. I down. like the use of right. Villanova causing havoc. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Tried to throw it in there. All right. I'm on the defensive again. February 5th, and what I like to say is the sweet week of the Big East schedule. This is the best week of the Big East schedule. You have totally agree. home at the Wells Fargo Center versus UConn, away at MSG versus St. John's, and home at the Wells Fargo Center versus Seton Hall. What a week of Villanova basketball. Super Bowl <laughs> on the 13th as well, too. That Yeah, it, right, right. So Crazy. awesome, awesome week. And the Olympics. Um, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, duh, the Olympics. Um, so – you have UConn at home. I am the only one who picked the Villanova Wildcats to win that game at home. Now I get that's in the Wells Fargo center and the home court advantage might not be as strong as it would be in the Finn. but guys, how am I the only one to pick us at home versus UConn? The only one, come on. I'm putting you guys on the defensive. Defend that pick. Defend why UConn is going to beat us at home. 
Rob, I got to ask you quick. You have Nova dropping Marquette and then not getting up to play UConn the next game. Yeah, this is I, I'm banking on. I'm thinking on this narratives. I'm thinking momentum. This is like a late January, early February swoon for Nova mm. and then starts rounding to form after that. But that's how I see it playing out. Yeah. So I don't I don't think I'm also I made these picks after the Baylor game. I'm losing a little <laughs> bit of confidence in the team. I'm not quite emotional as bullish. Picks. <laughs> there was definitely some emotion factored into these picks 100%. But yeah, I from what I've seen with this team, the mental fortitude right now is not quite there to just say, yeah, we lost We're right back up for this game. So I can put a couple losses back to back, especially if one of those losses is against a really legit UConn team. Mm -hmm. Well coached, obviously, as we talked about earlier, has a lot of talented players. So, you know, in my mind, Marquette's more of the stretch there. UConn's just, yeah, that's a good team that could go either way. Uh, and then I go, I'm scarred from what I've seen in, in Purdue and Baylor with good interior defenses. And that's what UConn is going to bring here with Sonogo, Polly, and Isaiah Whaley. Those are th- and I, a cook, a cook as well, who doesn't get as much run anymore, but he's basically a seven footer for them. They're going to shut down the interior. I, I don't like Nova's chances for what we've seen them so far against teams that really clog the paint. Don't let Villanova get that driving kick. Yeah. If this had been a legit home game, I might've, I might've put a little bit more. Shots fired to Wells Fargo right there. Yeah, I, I really don't. No, I, no, I there's really no shots fired. Here. <laughs> yeah. No shots fired here. You guys have listened enough to us. We have yes. no belief that that's a home game. Like, no. especially it's just for not UConn. An away game. Yeah, the biggest compliment I can give UConn is that they rebounded from losing James Booknight, and they replaced him by having eight legitimately good players in his wake. And that Villanova helps. just doesn't have that. And we don't have to get into the whole conversation about rotation and the freshman blah 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 but if you're saying that nova was gassed after purdue and ucla uconn literally goes like five deep i just i I don't see nova keeping up with that to your credit you have emma emma and pat you have both have uconn winning both games against us yeah i have a sweet at her we did not talk about before that yeah we i I just i i think uconn's so good uh look I get it. I get, I think UConn's great. I love it. I love Dan Hurley, etc. I love the whole thing. I just think home game, even though if it's at Wells Fargo center, I like our chances to get, to get right in that game and, and get a big win. That might be the best win of the season um, to that That's point. Really point. Um, and I really like our, I like our chances in that game, but I am also picking us later in the, later in the pod, you'll see, I picked us to, um, to lose at, Campbell. So I'm not, you know, I get it. I get your point. Um, all right. St. John's away. Emma, I think you already, I think we can actually skip this one because you kind of defended yeah. this point with me on the last one. So yep. I think, I think that all makes sense. MSG. Emma has, Emma has St. John's um, beaten Villanova. We've seen that tape before of late. I, I have uh, the rest of us have Villanova winning. I think we're all probably thinking, Nah, it's not going to be that much of an away game. We're going to get them in that one. All right. Then we have Seton Hall at home. And it's an interesting dichotomy because Emma and I had uh, had us losing to Seton Hall at Seton Hall. And then we, Emma and I both have us winning at home for Seton Hall. You guys have us losing at home for Seton Hall. What changed your mind? What changed? Is it the two points versus one point? <laughs> <laughs> that might have played into it a little bit for me. Definitely a little bit of strategy there. It definitely, it definitely helps. And I mean, look, we talked about this earlier. It's kind of a, it's going to be a competitive game for either mm-hmm. for either of these teams, regardless of location. Uh, I don't see a sweep either way for these teams, just because of how they play and because of the history and the coaching. Like these guys know each other well enough. So in my mind, it's a split. Happened to give it to uh, to Nova earlier. Going to give it to the Hall this time around. Yeah, pretty much same reasoning for me. I, as I downplayed Seton Hall, I still think they're a team that can you know cause some trouble for Villanova, totally. and because of that, I think a split happens. For me, it's a revenge game off of the last one. So <laughs> mental, mentally, I'm going. We're at home. It's a revenge game. We're going to get their number this time. Yeah, and this also, is Wells Fargo, right? Yeah, this yes. is at Wells Fargo. Yeah, this is this is the annual insane Seton Hall Wells Fargo game that they win. Yes. Oh. Also, 
the annual, this is usually the time of the year where, where Seton Hall has the team infighting portion of the schedule. Oh, good oh. point. Yeah. So they usually start to lose games randomly late January into mid-February, and then they get right for the tournament. So I'm seeing their swoon happening right around this time. This is where Kevin Willard becomes overwhelming. I was and just going to say, have infighting, that's when he just stops just, talking to the media. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly right. Everything's sunshine and rainbows now. Give it a couple months and Kevin Willard will be yelling on the sidelines, sweating yeah. his ass off. So like, yeah, I'm not... Yeah, I'm not worried about Seton Hall in early February. That's love an infighting it. game for them. So. <laughs> I do love that. <laughs> All right. I have to defend myself on the next game, although I don't think I should have to. And I have another one with you guys where I have a total disagreement on. But we play February 15th away. So after that big week, we then have to go on the road to the dunk and play Ed Cooley and the Providence Friars. And out of two games – Two games that we play in pretty close quarters. None of you have any concern at all about Villanova dropping any of those games to Providence. No. I'm the only one who picked Villanova losing at the dunk in February. I don't know what that's about. The dunk is a different universe. It's kind of like a, it, I don't know if you guys watch Marvel, but it's kind of like Talo. You go into a different universe when you We're play in the multiverse. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're in the multiverse. It's like this weird, bizarro world of the Dunkin' Donuts Center. And you have to play this game against Providence and Ed Cooley and all their fans. And they're all nuts up there. And I, I don't know, Emma, you're, you're from Connecticut. Like, mm-hmm. come on, like you got to know that Rhode Island next door. They go, She's got they family go at Providence. Yes. Too, so I'm they, sure. go hard. <laughs> they go hard. They go yeah, hard. So too. my brother goes to Providence and both my parents graduated from Providence. So they're going to be upset that I didn't pick Providence here. I don't want to step on your toes here, but you mentioned another team plays up to their competition. Providence is one of the most inconsistent basketball teams I've ever watched. And I think this is the best they've been in a while. I just don't think they ever bring what they need to beat teams in the big East. They had so many highs. They beat Texas tech. They had a lot of good wins in the non-conference and they just can't put it all together. I think Nate Watson's really good. Horkler's really good. That's been mm-hmm. the difference. Al Durham's a beast. I just don't think they could beat Nova. The one yeah, thing that scares I, me is the dunk in mid-February because there are yeah. some bad things have happened there then in that specific time frame too. But otherwise, I think Villanova gets it done. They have some big returnees. They've had Cooley mm-hmm. as a coach. They have the they have the they have the the stupid friar who is the <laughs> terrifying. Frightening. <laughs> terrifying and is the right word. Yeah, I, you know, I am. I, I just don't like us there. I don't like us away at the dunk after night. Mind you, I'm coming off of four wins, so we lose to St. John's, and then I have us beating. Um, Hall and UConn and St. John's on the road, mm. three big wins in that big week. And then I have us drop into the, the Providence Friars at the dunk. All right. We don't need to talk about Georgetown at all. I think we can nope. all agree about that. Nope. Um, all right. So then we have February 22nd at UConn. I think we all agree that UConn's good. Rob, is this a moment? Is this are you going back to this momentum? No, this this one's not as much of a momentum thing. This one's a, a little bit more of like kind of a, a math equation, if you will. You know, if I go back to this idea, just thinking conceptually about teams in the Big East sweeping Villanova, I just had a hard time wrapping my head around any coach and any team getting the best of our guys and our team two games during this season. Yes, we've had our ups and we've had our downs already. But at the end of the day, the talent on this roster is still heads and tails, I would argue, above a lot of the teams in the Big East. Yes, any one of these Big East teams can pick up a win, except Georgetown, that's for sure, um, can pick up a win against Villanova on any given day. But can they pick it up twice? I don't think so. So I had uh, UConn beating us earlier and I had uh, Nova just picking one up to, to return the favor now. Awesome. All right. I won't, I won't push you too hard on that one. But yeah, it's, a very, it's actually a very nice, positive thought. I, like I know. I, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, we, I think we all want to win at Gamble. Yeah, I just don't think we think it. it's going to happen. <laughs> um, all right. March 1st versus Providence. We all agree. We talked about that just a couple minutes ago. We, got, we have all agreed that we're going to win that game at home. And then the bugaboo game. <laughs> and then the game that kills me that none of you picked this as a loss. I don't understand it. 
how many times do you have to watch us go into Hinkle Fieldhouse <laughs> and lose a game that we should win? How many times the 2018 team gave up 101 points in Hinkle Fieldhouse oh. on a 73% shooting night, like from 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 Butler? Like, what is it going to take for you guys to believe that we're just not going to win in Hinkle Fieldhouse? I was the only one who said, I'm going to look at the evidence here, and the evidence says. We're going to get our ass kicked in the final game of the regular season. It doesn't matter what time it is. It's at Hinkle. It's a different universe. And here we are. They don't have the guy, though. They don't have a guy. There's no Kamar Baldwin walking through that door. No, they're not going to put up 100 points. They have Hinkle Fieldhouse. That's the guy. That is the guy. The sun rain thing. That was was a couple of years ago, right? Oh, I remember (laughs) that game. Yes. That's what it is. For for me, I just – I don't think this Butler team is – very good if I go straight out and say it but Hinkle is well we can say it living hell for this Villanova team and there is always a chance that those rims get real tight real fast they did just pick up a win over Oklahoma they did which I was not expecting at all that was a big win but they to your point they got blown out by Michigan State Houston and uh and they lost to A&M so they've got Purdue this weekend too I mean Chris you know looking just based on records we're we're about even with Butler so it must be an even matchup (laughs) quality teams (laughs) all right so regular season recap this is an interesting point emma and pat four losses only out of 20 so 16 and four is their projected record rob has five losses 15 and five i have 14 and six uh and so i looked at that and it was funny because like going through this exercise i would have thought oh rob's definitely gonna have the most losses but just doing the actual math um, I actually was the least bullish on this team. For me, just to talk on an overall basis, I think this, I think the Big East is really tough. I think it's challenging. I think it's going to be a gauntlet this year. I would have told you before the season started that I thought we had a chance to go like 18 and two mm-hmm. in this conference. Looking at the looking at the actual results that have happened so far, looking at our results of what's happened so far, knowing that we got to play a lot more away games. I just, and knowing that Jay has not found a way to work in the freshmen, I think that there isn't as much upside. Uh, Like, I think the floor is very high, but I don't know if the upside is that high. So going deeper into the season, I'm still thinking the same teams coming out every single game to play that game. And what do we got? So, uh, you know, for me, that's kind of my justification for being the, having the most losses of all of us. Does six losses win them the Big East regular season title? It's close. Mm. I think I think we actually might get the two seed, but I can see it being a tie at the top. I can see it being 14 and six, too. which, by the way, I love that. Just to be clear, yeah. I would that much rather prefer being the two seed and playing the night games. In the Big oh, East. than the noon game? Oh, oh the noon game yeah. is the worst. Oh, it is. It's the worst. Really bad. So, speaking of the tournament, we have winners picked. Rob and I have agreement. Seton Hall is going to win the 2022 Big East Tournament in MSG. I want to pitch it to Pat, who has Villanova coming out ahead in the Big East Tournament. Tell us why. And I find it funny, too, because I think like as we go through our podcasts, I'm usually the negative one <laughs> when talking through things. But when I look at this Villanova team, trying to take this Baylor game out of our minds, which, of course, is going to be very fresh, um, I think it seems really good. I think that starting five, I will go toe-to-toe with any team in the Big East. I know I talked about how UConn's a very bad matchup, but I have them as the two seed, which would put them on the other side of the bracket. If they get off to a one-off in a title game, I think they can come away there. I'm hoping the rotation comes into more effect. Maybe Brian Antoine plays a little bit. I know we'll talk about that in a bit. I just I look at this Villanova team, and there's so much talent. I say they have enough to get it done. Uh, that said, Big East is great, and it's going to be a bloodbath on the way through, but I think Nova comes away with it. I really do. I love it. Emma, you are the Connecticut homer picking <laughs> UConn to win this game. I'm not usually a homer. It's funny that you said that. <laughs> um, so I had four losses, and I think it's very simple. I had UConn twice, St. John's, and Seton Hall. Those are the big teams. Those are the high-tempo teams, and those are the really good defenses, and those are Villanova's three biggest weaknesses. I sense a narrative. Yeah, Bella, there's definitely narrative going on here. I love it. I think Seton Hall, we've explained why yeah. I think that's a defensible pick. Seton Hall in the garden in mm. MSG is, is pretty is pretty good. So I like it there. 
I will ask you guys one question. At this moment in the season, if you had to pick the Georgetown, if you will, the, the team that comes out of nowhere to steal an automatic bid, who's your team? I got it right away, Marquette. Right away. I think their defense is good enough to win them games. Daryl Marcel was so good at the beginning of the year. He's fallen off a little bit. But if he gets up in that offense, they've got some guys. And I'm so high on Shaka Smart. I think they're just going to be fun to watch. And all their games are going to be less than 60 points. It's going to be just painful to watch from an offensive standpoint. But it's going to be a rock fight every single time. Hey, if we scored 60 on Saturday, <laughs> exactly. we <laughs> Yeah. Uh, a cop-out answer is if I can't say Villanova, UConn, like, uh, or um, Seton Hall, Xavier, I'll go St. John's because they have enough high-end talent, Champagne, Champagne and Posh Alexander, that they can get hot and win games, especially being at the Garden. If I'm going without those teams, I'll say Creighton. You know, I think Ryan Nemhard's been so good. As I said, I, I do not have confidence in, in Marquette there. So that's why I'll, I'll go with the Blue Jays. Nobody really talked about Xavier on this episode. Rob, a lot of people are high on Xavier. I'm not high enough on Xavier to pick him to win the tournament. That's for yeah. sure. I, and, and I think a lot of that comes down to just coaching experience. Like, yeah, they've got the players there. Travis Steele to me still, I think has a, has a bit to prove. And I think he'll probably just have to overcome a little bit too much in what is going to be a challenging tournament this year. So I think that one's uh, a little bit of a bridge too far for me. Uh, I like the St. John's pick, but I'm picking a dark horse um, for the exact same reasons that you mentioned, Pat. I, I don't think it ends up being a dark horse though, just because there's enough quality there to pick mm. from at the, at the top of the uh, conference. Yep. Well, I'm just not answering the question. <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> the answer was pick a dark horse. I said St. John's. Oh, okay. I said I, I said I, I agree with that. Uh, but I said, uh, but I don't think that will happen. Uh, my dark horse, the DePaul Blue Demons. Oh, yes. Do it. Yes. <laughs> the darkest of dark horses. <laughs> the darkest of dark horses. I oh, love, I love it. it. Oh, man. I'm uh, Rank DePaul, baby. Hashtag rank DePaul. Yes. Give them yes. votes. Yes. 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 <laughs> I love it. All right. That's it. That concludes our our uh, walkthrough of the Big East tournament. This will uh, the Big East schedule. This will be on all socials. You can participate. Feel free to put your picks up. We'll get that out. Uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. Let's pick them. You can buy by the same rules. If you win, if you beat all of us, we're not experts. So, or at least Rob and I aren't experts. So, I'm definitely not. <laughs> no. you, you don't really get a whole lot of gain out of that. You just listen to, to people who happen to record their what they say about Dylan basketball. Yeah. Um but but there you go. There you have it. So we do have a little bit. We're gonna do a joint mailbag. Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Do a couple questions here. We're we're running out of time. So yes. we'll we'll do a couple questions uh from the mailbag here before we sign off. Cool. Let's do it. All right. Do you want me to start with one just from basically yeah. coming out of the Baylor game too? So I, I mean, <laughs> Emma and I were searching for positives before we got into this. And I guess one of the positives you can look at is that Brian Antoine did dress for the Baylor game, of course, didn't get into it, but a question coming in from Patrick Madden here, what are realistic expectations for Antoine? It, you know, is there any reason we can think he can make a contribution? I guess I'll start. I think the realistic expectation is that we shouldn't have expectations. Yeah. He's struggled in this position so far. It is absolutely wonderful to think about getting 15 to 20 minutes from him off the bench. Pat and I spent 20, 25 minutes talking about how good Baylor's bench was on Sunday and how that elevated them and separated them from Villanova. And it would be great to have that type of production from the bench besides Caleb. But we just don't know what we're going to expect. It's a huge step that he dressed. That doesn't mean that he's really doing too much at practice even. Yeah. So I don't, I, I think you're setting yourself up for disappointment if you're expecting him to contribute at least in the first half of the big East play. Yeah. Still need some time. I think he can come in and make an impact. I, I looked towards the end of last season and I was really impressed with what we saw from Brian, especially defensively active hands, forcing turnovers, the quickness is there. Um, but working his way back from an injury in a rotation that has been difficult to crack. I'll say with a smile. Um, it, we'll see where it goes. And I don't have too high expectations. If he can give you seven to 10 minutes, I think that'd be huge because that's, they don't have the ability to really find that elsewhere. I agree with Emma and, and Ben, you Pat too. I agree with both you guys. I will say that I agree in the beginning part of the season 
being beginning part of the Big East season. If there is a way that this team turns into a from a six loss Big East team to a mm-hmm. three loss Big East team, something happens that clicks for this team that turns it into a top flight team that has a chance to run into the third weekend of March. It's going to be Brian Antoine because it's Love not that. going to be one of the freshmen, yeah. right? Like Jay is not at this point, Jay's not going to play the freshman like to any material degree, unless one of them has a, has a moment in practice where it all clicks for them or whatever. The guy who's most likely to get in and get those minutes is going to be Antoine, which I think that'll push Archie Diacono back in the bench. The question is, what is Arch, what is Antoine's ceiling? From what I've seen from the end of last season, to your point, Pat, I think Antoine has quite a ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the ability to change speed, to provide a different look, to, to do something to this offense that we don't currently have is something that Antoine brings to the table that I think is very intriguing. I, if he's healthy and he can do it, that is the, that is the best case scenario for this team that raises he's the only guy right now that has a chance of playing, that has a chance of raising the ceiling of this team. I do think that Jay will play him. I think he's played enough time in the program. He's paid his dues. Um, he's getting back from injuries. He's had the, he's had the bug. I think Jay's going to have a little bit of a soft spot for him and give him some time. I think that might be one of the reasons why Archie Diacono is getting so much burn um, is that he knows that Antoine's going to come in and, and end up point. taking those minutes. So I, I like Antoine to get more minutes as you get into February. The question is in February, is Antoine going to take that step to be a big contributor? If he is, then that bodes very well for our future chances. I'd be very surprised to be honest. I think we're overrating what little glimpses and blips that we saw at the end of last season. If you remember the end of last season, it wasn't like he was consistently blowing the doors off people. He had a couple of nice games and even a couple of subsets of games that we're talking about where we saw flashes of what his ceiling might be. That to me with the layoff that we're talking about and having to ease him back into this roster I don't think it's going to make a meaningful impact, unfortunately. Yeah, I think those are all fair questions around him because he's never had a run in consistency. So what do we know? <laughs> How much? Yeah. We did get a question. Does Daniel stay the sixth man? Yes. To me, yes. That's, yes. That's, yes. That's, that's definite. Maybe one more, round it out. Yeah. So do you guys want to take one from yours? Well, we have a funny one. <laughs> we can close um, with that one. <laughs> no, I don't know. Maybe we close with that one. We'll come back to that one. Um, there's a uh, there was a question out there around um, as Jay. Sorry, I think you guys got it. Yep. Actually, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I know yeah, exactly yeah. what you're referring yeah. to. This is yeah. coming from John Paul, who pressing questions for us all the time, and I think it's a really interesting question. Does Jay have blind spots in his coaching, and if so, what are they? I mean, the freshman, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, like I almost would argue that Jay didn't have this stringent of a strategy even just a few years ago. Um, Bay played significant minutes as a freshman. Like you could point to a, a litany of players who played significant minutes, but we just talked about in the first half of this podcast is in the 2018 season, before he broke his hand, Jermaine Samuels the point, got yep. minutes on that team minutes like and like we talked about it before Colin Gillespie played a role played but you know shot the ball well etc kind of fit that team's identity Demir Cosby Roundtree provided depth at a position where we had none so you could understand why both of those guys would play minutes on the 18 championship squad Jermaine Samuels was so redundant on that team and yet he played and he was he wasn't good he was like, he didn't play well with his Couldn't minutes. shoot that year at all. No, yeah. no, 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 no. He couldn't do anything that year. He kind of looked very lost on the court. He had one game against the Paul, then he broke his hand. Yeah, um, that's true. I, I just think that Jay has kind of lost his way. I think he got like, oh, I'm not a guy who plays freshman. Like, and like kind of got in his, his own, his own head. I think he's got a blind spot here on, on, on this issue. Um, and I really wish that he'd be able to find time for these guys. I, I you know, Rob and I talked about it on our part of the podcast, but I'm just not, I'm not understanding why no minutes is the answer for these guys right now. Yeah. It's just confusion in general. And Pat and I have talked at length about this, about how unfortunate the non COVID illness, the the flu like symptoms that everybody had, the fact that it came during big five, because 
that might have been the moment in the season where Jordan Longino stepped up. And maybe that was when Njoku got some serious minutes against lesser-sized guys, and they would have just gotten some run under them so that they could be trusted for even four to five minutes in a game against Baylor or a game against Seton Hall or UConn on, on a slightly lower level. I really like all of your crisp points. I think to me, it just comes back to a lack of adjustments and it can even go as far as to a recruiting standpoint. And I know this is stealing your thunder a little bit, Pat, but it's, it's finding personnel that elevates you to the next level. And I don't think Brian Antoine, maybe this specific year, just because he gives you some bench depth, but there isn't a player on this roster at the, at the big man position that takes this team to a really high ceiling to, okay, this team can go out there and win a national championship. And mm-hmm. there have been a couple of years like that now, and it doesn't necessarily feel like that's going to change in the future. Yeah, yeah. I will say one of our friends raised this question a little bit earlier too, thinking about kind of what role the assistant coaches play in this too. It's great and point. I think it's, it's a non, it's a non, I don't know what word I'm looking for. Basically, it would have an impact on it is my hypothesis. And that if you look at who the head co- or the assistant coaches are this year, you've got a lot of folks who were former players, which again, mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that, but then also got their coaching start under Jay Wright. So you have a little bit of kind of a weird relationship, right? Where you've got a kind of a mentor mentee type thing where, yes, your job is to challenge your coach and, and challenge your employer. But at the same time, you're probably only going to push that guy that hard right and it's going to be different than if you came from some other program completely had this totally different perspective and brought something totally new to the table like you've basically been ingrained with jay wright's philosophy and had this inherent bias to say well what he's doing you know one or two titles and that's the way i was raised so that's the way i was raised to coach so i do wonder if there's a little bit less challenging going on there than there may have been historically but pure speculation on my end yeah, and then my point goes into everyone's. I, I think he can be loyal to a fault, and the, maybe the assistant coaching staff can be loyal to a fault. And that, you know, guys like Jermaine Samuels was really bad against Baylor. He just was. I, I'd like to see Jordan Longino get a couple minutes and see what that athleticism and speed can do to try and change things up and, and in opportunities like that. So I just, I know Jay's loyal to his guys. We talk about playing the older players, they know the system, get all of that. Of course, we're, we're all Villanovans here, we know the drill, but. Sometimes I think he can be loyal to a fault. And I think we've seen that a little bit this year. All right. I think we have one question left and we have to answer it. And I we think, I think loyal to a fault actually is the good. We got a question here that says, what does our, what does the Archidiacono family have on Jay Wright? <laughs> what blackmail do they have that on Jay Wright? Obviously this is referring to the fact that, Chris gets significant minutes on this team. Mm-hmm. Look, I, um, what can I say? Yeah. Jay doesn't trust the freshmen. He trusts the guys who've been in his program for a while. Arch, I'm sure Chris Archidiacono brings it every day in practice. That, yeah. That's what there's no say. debate about his work ethic. There's no debate about any of that. And so Jay goes, who am I going to turn to? I'm going to turn to the guy who doesn't drop my floor too low. And as opposed to raise my ceiling um, at the risk of, at the risk of also dropping my floor. And I think that that's where you get Archie Diakon for. I hate to give a serious answer to a to a jovial question, but it's a, I think it just comes down to, it's just that simple. But I do think Antoine changed the equation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. To give Chris some credit too, he really did prove himself last year in the tournament in, in Collins Wake and even at the end of Big East play. It's obviously lacking more this year, but my question is who else? And, and risk-taking goes back into another potential blind spot slash just, just cautionary track that, that Jay is on this year. And he know that he knows that Chris can go out there and not turn the ball over and make a few assists, facilitate the ball a little bit, get beat on defense, but it's better than the unknown of the freshman to him. I, I say, amen to Chris. I, I yeah. feel the same way. <laughs> <laughs> Rob is just smiling. Cause he knows that if he I... talks, He's going to go on a seven minute rant. I got nothing. <laughs> I said, I said my piece. <laughs> said my All piece right. Chris. Well, with that note, uh, this has been a blast and great. I hope we do more joint podcasts in the future. I think it's good. Um, I love listening to you guys. I think you guys have a great, a great show going. Um, 
And I love that you guys took over. I know you said that that Chris and Eugene were legendary and they were, um, and I think you guys are legends in your own right and doing, doing quite, quite a good job with uh, the state of the Nova nation podcast and over at VU hoops. So congratulations and kudos to you on, on, uh, on getting that going and, and very excited to have worked with you uh, today on this podcast. Oh, we, we really appreciate it. This was so much fun. We've been looking forward to doing this. I'm so happy. We finally made the, the crossover a reality. Uh, I'm excited to follow this stuff all year and what you guys do here with the full 40. It's just so much fun to listen to. I think is the best way to put it with how you guys take everything. Uh, we're, we were excited to do this joint. <laughs> fun. But it's not, awesome. not good, not, not knowledgeable. I, hey, <laughs> we, we, we don't claim to do that, Chris. Come on, let's keep it real. <laughs> you know what I meant. <laughs> awesome. No, that was great. But guys, tell tell our listeners where they can find you on social. Yeah, so we're uh, we're at the full forty on Twitter and Instagram. Um, we're also on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and then we've been doing a lot with YouTube with the live um, the video feed, the video recording um, of late. Uh, thanks to our producer Brian and our uh, our social our social uh, manager Rachel. Um, so we we're we're all over uh, all the socials, uh, all the uh, all the places you can find podcasts. So that's where that's where we are. Same question to you guys. Yeah, you can find us on, on Twitter and and at s o n n pod, and uh, you can find me and Pat on Twitter as well. I'm at Emma underscore Houghton nine, and Pat is at at p zang fifteen. And you can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Absolutely. Awesome. Let's make that in-person meetup happen. Yeah, yeah let's do it. Do it. definitely got to do it. Love it. I would love the opportunity to do that. That sounds yeah. great. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so awesome, much, guys. guys. Thanks so much for joining us. Um, appreciate it. Um, and have a, have a great evening. You too. Going over. Go Nova.